0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 185 of the Natural Born Alchemists podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Before we get into this week's episode, I have something I want to get off my chest. I think it's very annoying that the governments of the world keep butting into the lives of the individual. Don't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt anyone, right? Government is an illusion. It is for the people, sure. By the people, hell no. Deep down, I know you know, governments equal intrusion, fucking fascist dogmatic fusion, who to vote for, hell they all gotta go. Deep down, I know you know that governments are fucking amusing. Look at their stupid laws and regulations, always speaking maybes and negations, so critically like the fucking masons. I'm finished with having any more patience. Governing is over, don't pretend it ain't. Bullets are addictive but they wouldn't be victims. We get what we deserve, we eat what we are served. I don't want oppression, it's my obsession. Fuck who you follow, I follow myself. In the end we can only help ourselves. The better we feel, Makes it easier to heal. Life is here and now. The only thing that is real. So yeah, it's the last Sunday of the month. And this time we are going to listen to Bill Donahue talk about the Bible and why it is not a literal book. Bill has tons of videos on YouTube that you should check out if you like this talk. I'll post a link to his YouTube in the program notes. You can also go to hiddenmeanings.com, which is Bill Donahue's website. So... I hope you enjoyed this talk.
1: I know I did.
0: Here's Bill Donahue.
1: The Bible is not a religious book. There is no religion in it. There is no spirituality in it. Actually, the Bible is a book of psychology. It's a book of cosmic psychology. But hidden behind all of these ancient words are clues to the development of the human mind. And it's very interesting for you to understand I would give you, and I just I don't you know, tell you you have to believe anything. I'm not, because I can't prove anything. But We're just talking and saying, can we reach a level of saying, gee, this makes sense for a change? If so, then we're on to something. But I would give you, as a premise, the fact that the people in the Bible never existed. Okay? Never existed. And um, there's no proof for the existence of any of them. And it's far more important to understand that they represent parts of you and aspects of your own mind. And that makes it not only very personal, but it, it opens to you possibilities that are tremendously long range. Um, when you think of, hey, uh, you know, what is being said? By what authority are these being said? And can I, can I connect them to aspects of science? To me, if God is not provable, then forget about it. I mean, there is absolutely no sense in bothering with this thing, because we're coddled into saying we've got to have faith. And I don't like that. Faith, to me, is simply something you have to have when you're not sure. And, and that doesn't make any sense to me. If there is such a thing as God, then it should be demonstrable and provable. I think there's two aspects of this thing that we call God that are very scientific. And I think, in, in, a, in a way, for those of who are scientifically minded and would dwell on somewhat in common sense, we've talked about this. But the word Adam meaning A-T-O-M, to me is obvious. Inasmuch as the first man originating out of Memphis, Egypt, was called A-T-U-M, so we have a play on words of the same thing, and knowing that when an electron is removed from an atom, it, it creates energy, multiplies the energy, uh, then we have a rib taken from atom, which multiplied the species, so then we have the origin of all things being predicated scripturally on the fact that the beginnings came from the splitting of the atom. Now that's difficult for religious people because this makes sense, you know. Hey, geez, you know. But why not? And and and, and then if we if we find out that there's some reason, there's some basis to think, gee, is this in here? Then maybe we got we got some idea to think there is a cosmic intelligence. The second thing that I think is interesting is in the Book of Numbers, chapter two, verse nine. It talks about the tribe of Judah and they are represented as the tribe that camps at the east at the point of the rising sun, and they are called the children of light. Well, the constant speed of light known is 186,400 miles per second, and if you look in Numbers chapter 2, verse 9, it numbers the people in the tribe of Judah as 186,400, the children of light. So those are things that you look at, and when you're looking for... Uh, If you would, some kind of cosmic intelligence, it jumps right at you. And I think that's what we should be doing. um, But I would dare say that most religious people, they couldn't even contend with the possibilities of this being true, because they've never dealt with reality. It's always religion and spiritual things. But we're talking about an oriental approach to composing a document. In which the truths are hidden and, and for a very specific reason um, and the reason is this if you take these truths and you use the truths out of the left side of the carnal mind you use the truth to make a buck you use the truth to hold people in bondage you use the truth uh, to create fear and to, and, and to build great uh, you know uh, types of communistic slash capitalistic organizations that enslave people's minds and take their money, which is, which is religion. On the other hand, if you enter into meditation and you sacrifice all the thoughts of the left side, now you start realizing this with the creative energy of the right side. You start to see the truth. The, the, the documentation comes to you loud and clear. You begin to understand. But the fact is that the truths were hidden okay now that's an opinion but now I have to if I'm gonna say hey you you come here and you're gonna listen to me it's not fair for me and anything that I've ever said to say well this is my opinion or I'm gonna preach that's ridiculous I have to be able to show you is there some documentation that says that this is the way it is now Before we go into any any further dissertation, let's look at documentation to say this is Oriental mythology, it's Oriental uh, symbolisms, uh, numerology, the whole bit. In other words, the whole thing is symbolic. And if you have those little Bibles with you, and if you at home, if you want to write scriptures down, if you have access to Bibles, the first one, for those of you who are here, is on page 502, and it's uh, Psalm 78. Uh, verse 2, okay, Psalm 78 verse 2, it's on page 502, so here's a description in which quote unquote this thing that we call God, and remember the word God is simply the word good with an O missing, and the word a devil is simply the word evil with a D in front of it, so you know, we weren't very clever in coming up with cute names, but it's, it's obviously just the conflict between good and evil is all it is, God and the devil, so... Uh, But if you look at Psalm 78, verse 2, it says, quoting, quote, unquote, God, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Now, get this. This is the book of Psalms, which probably dates back about 4,000 years, and it said, I will open my mouth, and I will utter dark sayings of old Say." and it says here in verse we will not hide them from their children showing to the generation to come the praises of the lord so here you come here and i say what i'm going to show you are the hidden meanings and what these things mean what do the allegories mean what do the the parables mean what do the proverbs and so forth and so we're fulfilling that but here in the bible in the book itself it quotes god as saying i will open my mouth in a parable I will utter dark sayings of old. You speak in dark sayings constantly. Let's go over a few. I'll, let's go shoot the bull. That's a dark saying. It has nothing to do with killing an animal. He spilled the beans. That's a dark saying. There's no beans on the floor. She's, or he's three sheets to the wind. Or that's right on the nose. Or he's green with envy. Or somebody was. we were talking at lunch, and somebody was saying, I was on the phone, and this guy was bending my ear for a half hour. Well, that, is he really, you know, bending his ear? Or is it just, it's a simba—it's a dark saying. And, and none of these are difficult for you. You understand them all, just like that. You'd have no problem if I say, come on, let's go shoot the bull. I dare say none of you would run to get a gun or a bow and arrow, but you say, OK, you know, because you know you're going to have a conversation. What does it say? I will utter dark sayings of old. Let's take a look at what this, the value of understanding dark sayings are. Go to page 541. And look at Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, page 541. And in Proverbs uh, chapter 1, it talks about, look at verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. So now we're going to show you what you have to know in order to perceive words of understanding. Look at verse 6. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their Dark sayings, once again. So you've got to understand something that when you're looking here and it talks about going into the desert, it doesn't mean going into the desert, it means going into confusion. It means going into confusion. What's being said is everywhere I look, you know, it looks the same. Remember Jesus or Jehoshua is tempted in the desert and the devil speaks to him. Everybody gets that. When you go into the desert, means everything looks the same. You don't know which way to turn. You don't know where to go. You don't know what you are. You don't know what to do. And this thing in your head starts speaking to you. Well, then you're in the desert being tempted by the devil if you want to speak in, in symbolic terms. Okay, we look at the Old Testament. We look at the stories of Abraham and all of the crazy things in the Old Testament. Oceans opened up. Fish swallowed people. Lady cut somebody's hair and he gets, all this crazy stuff goes on. The Apostle Paul speaks concerning that on page 953. The rest of you look at Galatians chapter 4, page 953, Galatians chapter 4. What does the Apostle Paul say about this old, I mean, you, come on, you had stories of of a whale swallowing a guy, the whale pukes and an evangelist comes out. And I mean, you've read, and it's, it's you, hey, that's okay. And then you get up and sing a song, amazing, great. And all of this stuff. You have stories about two naked people running around in the Garden of Eden, they call it, and they don't know they don't have any clothes on until a talking snake comes along and say, hey, what's that there? I don't think you got your shorts on. And it's, like, hey, what God says, who told you you don't have any shorts on? And they say, the snake said it. And what did you say? That's my religion. I'm a Christian. I'll buy that. Sounds good to me. You have a story about a a, a people that are running away from the Ramses, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and and they get to the Red Sea, and what happens? Very convenient. It opens up, and they go right across, and we never question it. In fact, you'll find people going over there to find out where it was in the Red Sea. You got a guy that takes two of every kind of animal in the world on a boat with him. Who's cleaning this mess up? Can you imagine this thing? Two of every kind of animal. And did you ever question any of this stuff? No. What did you do? You went to church. I want to hear more of this, hallelujah, praise God, here's my offering, I'll buy that, this makes sense to me, never questioned it, and what does the apostle Paul, was one of the writers of the New Testament, say in Galatians chapter 4 on page 953, he's talking about the Abraham stories, and verse 22, Galatians 4, for it written, Abraham had two sons, blah, 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 verse 24, what does it say, which? things are an allegory. Wow! Right away when you see the word this is an allegory means you can run away with this thing and begin to explore the symbolic meanings because allegory means these things didn't happen they are deep mystical symbolic stories that have a content concerning the human mind and the deep realms of consciousness. There it is! I won't speak in dark sayings, utter parables of old. It's allegorical. Okay. I, I mean, it's in the book. And yet, do you know that there are people who call themselves born again a fundamentalist who say every word is literal? Even though, what did we just see? Now, go to page 944. Here's the Apostle Paul again in a book called 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul in verse 3. Chapter 3, right, verse 6, saying, Who has made us ministers of the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, page 944. Who has made us ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The letter can, can you think, mostly in this particular room, or ladies, can you think of situations where the letter kills? Absolutely. I can show you situations in the Bible where it says if the young girl has a pelvic examination and she doesn't pass, she get rocks, you hit her in the head and kill her. Take it literally, that's what it says in the Bible. I can show you where Moses said, hey, kill all the little kids, kill all the women who aren't virgins, and keep the other ones for yourselves. That's in the Bible. And here we have expressions that are symbolic in nature, but when they're taken literally, then it allows one group to hold another group in bondage or actually do physical harm. One last scripture and we're done. Jehoshua the Christ whose name is called Jesus, whose name was not Jesus. There was never anybody by the name of Jesus that lived in Palestine. The only people that named Jesus live in Puerto Rico. They don't live in Palestine. The name Jesus is a Greek word... That is a Greek word, the I-E-O-S-U-S, whatever it is, and the reason it comes out of Greek mythology because it totals 888, which is the number of the sun in the sky, and that's where the name came from. And the reason that you call him Jesus and not J-E-H-O-S-H-U-A, which is his name, is because Jehoshua is Jewish. And the early church was extremely anti-Semitic, these are the Crusades and the uh, Inquisitions, and they could not deal with anything that was Jewish, so they got rid of Jehoshua, and they got rid of Passover and replaced it with Easter. But the name Jesus is a Greek name, he was not a Greek, and that amazes me. I watch him on television, and they'll say, Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. And there's power in the name, there's healing in the name, there's salvation in the name, and they changed the guy's name. They changed the guy's name. Did they screw it up or what? I, I, I love the Bhagwan. He says, you know, I can't believe these, uh, these Jews, too. He says, you know, they wait 40,000 years for the Messiah to come. He shows up, they kill him, and they give the business to the Italians. <laughs> I thought it, li- it was a great line and how true it is, you know, really. But the insanity. But you know, hey, shame on us, because we file in and follow these people and hold on to every word. Uh, where were we? Page 812, and then we'll wrap this part of it up. Mark chapter 4. I wanted you to see this statement of Jehoshua, who is the Christ Jesus, if you would. Mark chapter 4, look at verse 11. Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without. Now look at that. Unto them that are without. Let's underline that word. Unto them that are without. All these things are done in parables. It's all symbolic. When? When you are without. What does that mean when you are without? When you are not within. And the only time you are within is when you are meditating. So to those who are not meditating, all of these things are parables. And so that's why they figure they got it all figured out. And yet they're looking at symbolisms and they're taking the symbolisms literally. Now, the interesting point here is look what he says. Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without all of these things are done in parables. Do you know what it says here? That God directly, uh, intentionally deceives people. Look what it says. That seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. So in other words, these are given symbolically with the intent of deceiving people until they get within. As long as you're going to stay without and try to figure this out from the left side or from the intellect, you're not going to understand it. Now what does he say? Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Did you see that? That's what you have. If you go within and you go into meditation, you'll know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, this is why I say that the entire book is a book of psychology. You want to learn the mystery of the kingdom of God. Good. Where's the kingdom of God? Go to page, and I forget which page this is on because I didn't write. It's on page 853. Look at Luke chapter 17, page 853. The point is, what is promised by Jehoshua the Christ is that if you go into meditation, you understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. Look at page 853, Luke chapter 17, and go to verse 21. Neither shall they say it's here or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you." So what is the promise? Meditation will reveal to you the mystery of yourself. The mystery of yourself. What is your purpose? Where have you come from? Where have you going? Where are you going? You know? How can you plug into nature to be able to understand, to flow, to rise above all of the things that have come against you? The kingdom of God is your inner being, the consciousness within you, as said by Jesus, Jehoshua. And he said, if you'll go within, you'll begin and you'll start to understand yourself and your purpose. And that's a beautiful promise, especially in this time of this Aquarian age. So we begin to learn the Eastern Oriental way. To interpret or look at this thing which is our cosmological, psychological, spiritual guidebook. Yet, outside of this book, what do you do? You scorn all things. I don't mean you here, but I mean we scorn all things that are oriental. We refuse, in fact, to, to acknowledge these people as spiritual people and instead we, our religions dub them as heathens. And yet, there are some things that Jehoshua or Jesus said that are important for you to see. There is a um, place in the center of your brain called the pineal gland, pineal gland of the brain. In fact, we run into that next Sunday morning with Jacob and his travels. But the pineal gland of the brain, also known as pineal gland of the brain, it's spelled P-I-N-E-A-L, also pronounced by many as P-I-N-I-P-E-N-I-E-L, pineal gland of the brain. And the ancients knew it, what you would see was in the power of mythology of people called the Cyclops. They would have an eye in the center of their forehead and it would be extremely powerful and so forth and so on. But that single eye would be the seat of all power of the soul. And if you look in a uh, dictionary, they look up pineal, P-I-N-E-A-L, or pineal, it says the single eye, the third eye, the seat of the soul. And what's interesting is here then Jesus says to you specifically what you should do. Here's what you should do. Page 781, and it says in Matthew chapter 6 what you must do in order to understand and in order to fulfill this thing of entering within yourself. Look at verse 22. And it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, your body will fill with light. Okay, body will fill with light. We have an article in the, in the back on the uh, uh, table back there from uh, the New York Times, which talks about the pineal gland uh, secreting a hormone called melatonin, M-E-L-A-T-O-N-I-N, which is a skin lightener, which is another point for those of you who are, you know, scientifically motivated, because here is Jesus saying, if you practice the single eye, your body will fill with light. And the scientists would say, if you stimulate the pineal gland, your body will fill with melatonin. So he says, you know. And so then how do you do that? How do you stimulate the pineal gland of the brain? Well, you just turn the page to Matthew 6.25. And it tells you in Matthew 6.25 to Matthew 6.33, take no thought. It says it five times. Separate from the thoughts of the mind. You know, isn't that great? You don't have to join any religion. You don't have to become a part of anything. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to spend any money. All you have to do is discipline yourself to separate from the thoughts of the mind. Not an easy challenge, but nonetheless, something that is well within your ability to do. Very easy to do, doesn't involve you with any group or organization, including anybody here. Okay? So then you get to this point and say, God, you know, can I stimulate the pineal gland of the, of the brain? Can I do this? Can I allow the melatonin to flow? Let me show you something and show you how important it is, and then we'll leave this particular thing. Go to the book of Genesis, and uh, it's the first page of the Bible. Open it to Genesis chapter 32. All right? I don't have a page for it, but I'm sure you can find that. Genesis chapter 32. All right? And uh, when you found that, you'll let me know and. There you'll be. Okay, you got it. Genesis chapter 32. Look here at, here's here's the statement where Jacob is having a wrestling match with himself. And he overcomes his, his own self. He sees God face to face. Now look at what he calls the name of the place where he has seen God face to face. Genesis chapter 32, look at verse 30. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. I mean, you don't need to be a nuclear scientist. You don't need to be a Rhodes Scholar. It is obvious. So, whether you look in the New Testament, and they call it the single eye. Whether you look in Jacob, calls it the pineal gland. Whether you understand the relationship between melatonin and so forth and so on. You say, there is something that I'm being told here. I was told this by Krishna. I was told this by Buddha. I'm being to- told this by Jesus or Jehoshua. And so there is something here. And it comes from the people of the East. It comes from the people of the Orient, and it finds its way into this book that you call a Bible. See? So we, we, we've got to start learning how to interpret scriptures, not just biblical scriptures. You have to learn how to interpret the sutras, sutras of Buddha, how to interpret the Vedas of Krishna, how to interpret the Koran, as the Sufi Muslims do. But what you do and what has happened to our country and our world is that by interpreting these things literally have totally distorted that which we call God's Word. And we're paying dearly for it. When you look you know and as I said one of the things that you know written in the back there is that the evilness of the traditional family the traditional family has broken up the traditional family is rotting from within the traditional family is falling apart and as a result of it we see outside all of the problems with children and young people and the violence and so forth they say it's because we don't have any more traditional values the value system has broken down the family has broken down certainly it's broken down because religion put the traditional family together with a basic flaw that says in order for the family to be effective one party must submit to the other party. In other words, the female must submit to the male. And when you take a situation and say in order for this to succeed one part of the population must submit to the other part of the population then that's an evil premise and that makes the family evil and the the family will self-destruct. It's not destructing because it's being attacked from outside, it's self-destructing because it's exploding from within. And it will, because woman will no longer submit to man. It shouldn't, especially in the feminine age. And so we see this complete thing. And what do we have to do? We say, Do we need a traditional family? Do we need to raise our values? Yes, but how are you going to do that? The family then has to be no longer one party submitting to another party. It has to be a co-partnership. Equality, total equality, co-partnership. There may be some instances where the man will have to be the mother and the woman will have to be the father. Because the woman is more capable of going out, getting a better job, earning more money, and doing better things for the family. And the man who is totally incapable might have to stay home and stir the soup and, and, and sew the socks. And, that's, and so but that's what's coming. And that's what you're going to see. see. But yet, when people have taken the Bible, literally they've said, well, it says here. To, In fact, what, I had somebody either called me or somebody wrote me that they were beaten up by the husband and they went to the priest for counseling and the priest said stop to the woman stop stirring him up try to get along, try to understand the pressures that are on him, and, you know, get back because, you know, the scriptures are very clear that the wife should submit to the husband, and all of the lunacy goes on and on and on and on. But, see, it doesn't make any difference. There'll never be a return to the traditional family as we once knew it because the woman will no longer submit to the man. So here, then, we see the traditional family broken up. We see that the, the terrors out in the streets. We see the violence and the drugs and all of these things that are related to the fact that there is not a mother-father relationship because the woman will will not submit, and and it's breaking up. And we see in page 787, a statement by Jesus or Jehoshua that he makes about that. It's in Matthew chapter 11, and I think it's one of the statements that I always have in my mind whenever I do anything, whenever I study anything. It's a very meaningful, and I use it to quote to a lot of people. And this is what I love, and it says in Matthew chapter Eleven and verse nineteen, Jehoshua, Jesus is talking about himself, saying that he's a drunk and he's a bum because he's a gluttonous and so forth. But he says in the last sentence of verse nineteen, wisdom is justified of her children. In other words, you want to see the, 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 what you've created? Take a look out on the street. And then try to understand why the mess. You want to see what you've created in your life? Okay, why is your life the way it is? Because what was put into it from before. What is it going to be like in the future? Whatever you're putting into it now. Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha said a lot of people will come and say, you know, they'll get near a friend and they'll start to freak out and they'll say, because this person always comes around and stirs up this or stirs up that. And he said, you know, can't you, why do you have to stir up all this crap all the time and get me crazy? And Buddha said, your mind is like a cup. And in the bottom of that cup are all the thoughts and all the fears and all the guilt that you've accumulated over past lives and accumulated as a child. And it's a sediment in the bottom of the cup. And when you put clear, clean water in the bo- in, into a cup that has a sediment, when then you stir it up the cup, the water becomes dirty. But what Buddha said, and if you clean that cup out, and so there's none of that crap in there, these people can come and stir and stir and stir all night, the water's going to stay clean. And all he was saying is, it's the thoughts that are running around in the subconscious part of your mind that were put there by your parents, that were put there by your school, that were put there by the church, that were put there by the government. All of these things have accumulated in the recesses of the subconsciousness, and when somebody triggers it or stirs it up, they all come flying out and you got all hell breaking loose. Not only outside, but inside of your head. I don't know if any of you have ever looked at the series we've done on Shakyamuni Buddha. He was a master psychologist, a master psychologist, and looked upon by the people in the church as some kind of a, of a cult, so and so. Okay. So what are the results of the ways that we have followed and Jesus' says, wisdom is known by her children? Remember something. The essence of God and the essence of yourself are mysterious. We'll call it a mystery. Mysterious. A mystery. The hidden writers will lead you to experience the mystery. Remember Jesus, unto you is given to know the mystery. You are a mystery. 90% of you is God. 10% of you is yourself. The unfortunate part is that the 90% is shut off. And how you say, how do I flip the switch? How do I get the f- switch to come on so that the God part of me starts to activate? The divine part, the creative, the right side starts to activate. See? And the point is, you have to go to the mountain. Every one of these situations in this book The holy man went to the mountain. God went to the mountain. Krishna went to the mountain. Jesus went to the mountain. Moses went to the mountain. Everybody has to go to the mountain. The mountain is nothing but a symbolic reference to the highest part in you, which is the higher realms of consciousness, which you go to through meditation. And Moses went to the mountain, and he learned the mystery. He gave instructions to one person. Okay. Moses becomes the ego, or the mind. He gives instructions to one person who is Joshua, which is the same as Jehoshua, which is the Savior, that is within you. This is the mind speaking to the spirit within you. The spirit then selects 40 people, and that number four means the fourfold nature, and it floods through your being. But what was given? What was told? The fact that there is a mystery and the need for you to touch that mystery. And that mystery resides within you and will always stay unwritten because you'll never be able to share it with somebody else. And that's why I find it very difficult when I hear people say, did you read this? Did you take this course in this? Or did you read this? You don't... <laughs> the worst thing you need to do is take another course. You don't need to take All you have to do is listen to the quiet, listen to the silence within you, and let it open like a flower. Because that course that somebody's given you is their opinion. And their opinion may be wonderful for them. It may not be so wonderful for you. But that which is within you will lead you. That which is within you will teach you. See? Let me show you something. Let me, let me, let me show you, if I, if I can, what I'm telling you about. Can somebody tell me that you know, knows the Bible? Because I didn't write this scripture down. What page is 1 Corinthians chapter 2 on in those little Bibles? I want you to, I want you to see something. Can you just look it up and, and let me know what page it's on in the little Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'll get you an idea of what I'm talking about. 347. 347, okay. For, go to page 347 and look what I'm talking about. Here's the mystery, okay? I want to talk to you in the mystery. You know what the mystery would be? Oh. Huh? 932. 932. No, 932. Well, listen, you're only 600 pages off. <laughs> It's a good shot, it's, you know, you made an attempt, but, 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 but this is what I'm talking about. What if I would say to you, let us have a conversation, and you and I sit on the floor, and I look at you and you look at me, and we close our eyes, and then we start to have the conversation. And what are the words of the conversation? They go like this, om, om. Now, if you've known me for a little bit, you'll probably stay there. If not, you're up and you're out of the door and up the stairs and out of the building. And I've had that happen to me in the early days of so this people used to run out of here you know, like crazy. I'm talking about speaking in the harmonic of the universe. And the center of the universe is that Do um, You want to hear it? Would you like to hear God? Have you ever heard God? Yes. How would you like to hear God? OK, take your fingers. Let me see your fingers. Come on, who's going to see you? Don't be Take them, plug your ears. Listen. You hear the I hope you hear it. If you don't hear it, you are dead. You didn't hear it? I heard it. I didn't hear what you said. I just said, I hope you hear it that in the center what you hear rumbling is the dynamic, it's the dynamo, it's the generator, it's, it's that, same, that same decibel in the center of your being that you hear is in the center of the universe. And that is what the ancients, om, that's the sound of om. And when you start then to flow in the harmony of om, you're flowing in the harmony of nature and you start to flow in the harmony of yourself. That's the hidden, that's the wisdom. Now, watch this. We said 1 Corinthians chapter 2, right? Look at verse 6. We speak a wisdom among them that are perfect. In other words, I have to speak to you. You know, sometimes you come here on Tuesday nights and I get, you know, I start flying away and the voice that comes sounds different and all of these things because I am speaking to you who are perfect. You say, well, I'm not perfect. Yes, you are. 90% of you is perfect. 10% of you, and I take this to myself too, is screwed up. Okay, the left side, when we speak to each other and that, then we get all kinds of lunatic ideas, but that 90%, when you turn off the 10%, the 90% activates, and we speak in wisdom to those that are perfect, because we are communicating spirit to spirit, we are communicating nature to nature. See, when you give that 10%, that's what the ancients knew and what they meant by tithing. The church took it and said, give me 10% of your money. Well, and that shows you how corrupt you know, and stupid it is. Okay, how be it, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to know us. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory there it is that's what you're starting to point. that's what you start to touch when the lights go down and the home comes on and you start to fly you start to move in the mystery you start to move in the cosmic universal sound that you've never ever been allowed to touch and in fact you can go in any of these churches up and down Route 9 or any church in the state of New- and they'll tell you stay away from it stay the way you are just give us the money sing Amazing Grace and watch the world go to pieces and watch the kids commit suicide and watch the drugs and watch the age and watch all the crap that we've created and all the insanity and all the violence and we'll sing songs together and look, we got stained glass on our windows so you can't see what's going on out there anyhow. So you stay in here and we'll all sing and we'll die together. But we'll have great funerals, and we'll send a man over to bake ZD at your house after so everybody can come back. Oh, will not it be a wonderful time? Everybody back to our house for Ziti. That's the only thing I remember as a kid. I couldn't wait for somebody to die so we could go back and have Ziti at somebody's house. It was great. They had great Ziti then. Come on, let's, let's wrap this up. But you know, you've got to tell the truth. I, I don't do this for a living. Some guy said, calls from New York, said, if you say this, I am not going to support you anymore. At this See, if I had to depend on this for support for me or for her, then I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't want to offend you. You see, if I wanted to do, and believe me, I'm very capable of doing it, I could have all these chairs filled. I could do the same thing. I could touch you on the head. I could make you fall over. I could tell you you're healed. I could do the whole thing. It's very easy to do that. And everybody comes, you know, as what is it PT Barnum said, there's a sucker born everywhere. People want to hear. They want to hear the things. But you don't. So I don't don't say things that people want to hear. And I still say the same thing. And as far as I'm concerned, excuse me, but this is a little political. I think everybody should be cremated, and they should take all of the cemeteries and turn them into baseball fields and playgrounds for the kids. (laughs) I think it's just a waste of land to have a bunch of dead bodies with stones there. My father's buried in some idiotic place up in Newark, and it looks like a tenement. There's 60 billion. You couldn't find this guy if you wanted to. Stones and rocks all over the place. Acres and acres and acres of dead bodies laying there. Not dead people, because there's no such thing as dead people. Just dead bodies. But I mean, see, that's another story. And, and, and somebody will get ticked off. I disagree with you. Well, so what? All right. The, different, the, the definition of the word mystery is something of a secret quality. Let me tell you something. And don't at this as being so strange. If I was to learn the secrets of each one of you, or you were to learn the secrets of me.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. But if, what about the secrets of them? You. I know, Laugh, Lorraine. I see, each one of you has a secret. Each one of you has a closet. And in that closet is something that nobody else knows. Even the one closest to you doesn't know what goes on. <laughs> the secret. Your meditation will prepare you for the manifestation of this mystery. And your mind, and this is a Buddha, what I'm showing you now is a Buddhist thing. It's called purging. You know it as pur- and purgatory is when the fire of meditation, the electric energy of meditation erases all of those thoughts and guilts and fears from your mind so that you open up to the flower that is the true self. That's what that is. Nothing to do. Do you know that actually people believe that you go unless you pay, if you pay 25 cents you can get 30 days off and all this kind of stuff. Okay, that's what purgatory is. Purgatory is Buddhist. And it means the spiritual, electrical energy of meditation purges or burns away the guilt and the fear. Okay? Now, you, you, you give yourself to this not because of your tradition. You give yourself to this because you apply yourself, because you have responded to an inner stimulus. Okay? Now, let's, let's, let's wrap it up, but I want to show you something. There was a compliment paid to Moses in the New Testament, and it concerns something that Moses did that gave him the basis for the religion that we follow, okay? Watch this very carefully. What do, how did we start this off? Eh? You think Moses was Jewish? You're a Christian? Fakarta, neither, okay? Where is this great leader that we follow? Where did he get all of this wisdom? Okay? Let me tell you, in ancient Egypt, of Memphis, Egypt, in Memphis, Egypt, creation is God masturbated and when God masturbated, the seed—that f- doesn't look right. When God masturbated, the seed fell, and there was born Adam. I'm to telling you. you This—you look. You go to a library. I mean, you know, why be shocked? This is the way. How else did they say? How else is God going to do this? There was no—he hadn't made any girls yet, so he had to do something. So he made Adam that way. The wisdom of what they call the Great White Brotherhood, the Lodge of Egypt, the wisdom of the pyramids, the wisdom of, of, of the Nile, all of this stuff. Let me show you something, very interesting. Go to page, somebody tell me what page is. I forgot to mark this. Out. Acts chapter 7, what page is that on? Hurry up because we've got to get out of here. Acts chapter 7. Yeah, don't you say nothing there, Carolyn. Just Acts chapter 7, what page is that on? 894, go to page 894. Hurry up. 894, hurry up, hurry up. Hurry up. You ready? 894. 894. How long can it take to turn a page? 894, are you there? Jeez. You're getting close. <laughs> Acts chapter 7. Are you with me in Acts chapter 7? All right, go to verse 22. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. You see that? wasn't a Jew. He was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And that's where this stuff comes from. And there's a mystery in all of the ancient cultures. In India, it's the Brahmin. In Persia, it was Mithra. In Greece, the Aleutian mysteries. And notice that. Wisdom of Egypt. The words of the wise in their dark sayings. In Egypt. But all of this mystery can only lead to the mystery of which you can be a part of but never be able to understand and never be able to share. Unfortunately, religion says you should achieve physically. You should achieve salvation. Be blessed in all of this. But here's the point. When you reach the point of finding this, you have to write it over here. Because it cannot be wrought. It cannot be taught. All I can do, I can't teach you anything about it. All I can do is let you go. I can take you to the path and say, follow this path. And then you are lifted off into this nirvana, and you circulate into a great mystery that can never be revealed. But it's an amazing thing as it starts to bring direction to your physical life. It means that you are not concerned whether you are saved, but whether you can serve. And we're going to wrap this up by telling you real quick about the ark. The ark is the most holy place, the symbol of that which is the most holy place. One cannot come near the ark. The ark is actually that point of the right hemisphere of the brain. Okay, that's where the ark is located. The holy place. Okay? It says in 1 Samuel 6 19, he smote the men because they had looked into the ark. Nothing that dwells in the carnal mind, which is your intellectual side, can see in here. Can ever. This will come to you, but you can never, you can never get in there. It has to open, and it has to flourish by itself. Nothing that dwells, let me, did you ever see, go, go to page 296. Let me show you something about your mind real quick, and I'll show you something. We'll get you up. First Kings chapter, page 296, First Kings chapter uh, 6, and I want to show you something about the construction of, of the temple. Look at First Kings chapter 6. Are you there, page 296? Just stay awake a little while longer. We're almost out of here. You know, you're doing good so far. Okay? Turn to get it, put a little cold air in here. I can tell when you're starting to uh, slip out, you know. But just hang on just a few more minutes. First Kings chapter 6. Okay, look at verse 6. Now this is talking about the holy temple. The nethermost chamber, that's the holy place, was five cubits and the middle side six cubits and the third was seven cubits. Okay, five cubits, okay, six cubits and the third, wait a minute, five cubits, six cubits and the third was seven cubits, okay. Now notice here that the construction um, is given to you symbolically in, in, in numbers and so forth and so on, we'll get into that another time. Verse seven, and the house when it was built, was built of stone made ready so that there was no sound heard in the construction. In other words, you build your temple in silence. Why, 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 why are they building the temple in silence? Because your temple must be built in silence. That's meditation, okay? The door for the middle chamber, the door for the middle chamber, and that is the holy place, was in the right Side of the house, they went up with winding stairs. Haven't you ever seen DNA? Huh? That's what it is. It's Kundalini. It's DNA. It's the way of the, the movement of that. What is the impulses in the body? <coughs> they went up with winding stairs into the middle chamber, which is the holy place, and out of the middle into the third, which is the third heaven. Okay, and that's the construction of the temple. Now, that is, 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 is describing the energy when it comes from the solar plexus of the body, up the spine, impacts on the pineal gland of the brain, and then opens up to the right hemisphere of the right side of the house. Just watch this, and then I'll show you what happens when, when we, we get involved with religion. Page 239, and this is my last thing, I promise you. Page 239, and read 1 Samuel chapter 5, and look what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 5. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 2 The Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, and set it by Dagon. Dagon is their God, it's their religion. You can call it your religion, Christian, Methodist, whatever. You take the ark, and you try to put it near Dagon, which is religion. And look what it says in 1 Samuel, chapter 5, verse 3. And when they arose early on the morrow, Dagon was fallen upon his face before the earth, and they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And they arose in verse 4. The next morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face. The head of Dagon and the palms of his hands were broken. In other words, the ark is the place of perfection, and all symbols of traditional religion will fall on its face in its presence. You can't have it. You can't have anything of the traditional religion. It'll fall. It can't stand. So the whole thing is simply put in this way, that if you really want to find who you are, if you want to solve that which is the mystery of yourself, then you've got to trust this which is the divine essence of your own mind. You've got to enter within, you've got to direct your energy to the right side, you've got to allow yourself to separate from the thoughts of the the left hemisphere of the brain and raise yourself into that place which is called nirvana, above all of these struggles and all of these... Screefs and all of the other things that go on. Basically, that's the arc, and that's the mystery. And the wonder of it is that the mystery is actually your identity. Who are you really? You know, think of that. Sometimes you want to do what they call a koan. A koan is a form of a mantra, an Eastern mantra. One of the koans is, what is the sound of the left hand clapping? But the essence of a koan is you never try to answer it. Don't try to figure it out. You just say it over and over and over again. You want to stimulate yourself with a koan? Just ask yourself over and over and over again in your meditation, who am I? Who are you, really? You're looking out, and you're not even looking. There's two cameras that are photographing me. You're getting a picture of me. You're not actually seeing me. Somewhere deep in the recesses of the ether, which is your astral body, you're picking up these pictures, which are electronic signals coming to you. And I'm transmitting with this transmitter, and I'm not saying any words at all. What's happening is inside of your ears, there are two little things that hang down, and they're vibrating, and as they vibrate, they send electrical impulses, and it decodes this thing into the center of your brain. You have a computer in the center of your head in, the, in your head, and it's unscrambling all of this stuff. You have little antennas on the side picking up all of this. It's all it is. You're nothing at all but a tower and the top of the tower is right here. And you've got transmitters, you've got cameras, antennas, and a computer, and a sniffer. And all of it is electric impulses that are showing you pictures and allowing you to hear things. You could take this thing here. If you operate, if it hits at certain decibels, you hear it. Take the same thing, rev the decibels up to, I don't know what it is, 36,000, and you can hit that all day long and you wouldn't hear anything. Because it goes beyond that which you're able to hear. A dog might be able to hear it, you couldn't hear it. Yet suddenly you say, was it making a sound? No, it's not making a sound. The old story, does a tree fall in the forest if nobody's around, does it make a noise? No. Because noise is not made by anything. There is no such thing by noise. It only is the vibration of the air. And if the air hits those little things hanging in your ears, it picks up and makes a signal. And when that does, it sends this electrical circuitry into the brain. And it unscrambles itself in the computer, and you get logic. But who's getting that logic? Who are you? And who am I? You know, where have you been? And how long did it take you to get here? And where are you going from here? See? And you are going someplace. Because if you want to be part of this, then you start to plug into the, to the essence of the energy that comes from the right side. And then you do. You flow with it. Because, as I said, and I say this over and over again, and it's the best analysis I can get, we can get a brain surgeon in here, and he can open your head, and he can open your head, and he can look in the brain, and you'll see all of this mess, and all of this gush, and all of this wiring, and all of this stuff, and he'll see, he can describe it with all medical terms, but let him try to find one desire, let him try to find one love, let him try to find one memory, let him try to find one dream, let him try to find one vision. They're not there, Yep. you're filled with them. So it's all part of the etheric body. That's who you really are. You dwell in the ether of the etheric body, and you operate this machine here as a means of communicating with one another and doing things and enjoying that which is the physical aspects of the universe. And So then when this, etheric bo- when this physical body breaks down, your etheric body just goes off and seeks another body, and off you go and do it again. And it's very interesting if you were to know who you really are and where you've been and what you've done. Some of you and ladies here have been men. Different colors, different places, you've lived in different parts of the world, and that's part of nature to tell you, hey, here's your, here's your experiment, here's your teaching to learn and develop. And you've come to this point. You know why you've come to this point? Because you've reached a point of advanced state of your mind. And you're listening to this stuff which not many people have privy to. And I can tell you this, you can talk this stuff up anywhere in your family, anywhere you want to go, and very few people have any idea of what you're going to be talking about because they've never heard it. Very, very select few people have understood this stuff or heard this stuff. And it's up to you. If you want to continue, you want to grasp it, you've got an opportunity. You're on the merry ground, and the silver ring or the golden ring is ready, and you can clip it, and you can take it because you heard these things. See? It's like Jesus said to the people that he talked to, people of old times and people of today and people in the future would love to hear the things that you've heard and understand the things that you understand. But what are you going to do with it? And the unfortunate part is a lot of people that get this treasure do not understand what they have and they walk away.
0: I appreciate that you listen to this podcast. I often ask myself if this podcast even exists if no one is listening. And as far as I know, people are. So thank you for doing that. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash alchemist. A link can also be found on naturalbornalchemist.com. If you become a Patreon, you'll get access to new episodes before everyone else, as well as access to a bunch of other rants, recordings, deleted material and behind the scenes. I call this place in the digital space the round table of the divine mystery. So please join us, patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. To end this episode, I'm now going to play the track Seeing Stars by White Lighters that appears on the album Dracula slash Crybaby. This is a cover of a song by Jessica Lee Mayfield. Go to whitelighters13.bandcamp.com to check out more of White Lighters music. And that is 13 as in the number, not the letters. White Lighters 13 dot bandcamp.com See you all in a week. Peace, love, compassion, Hare Krishna. Freedom is in the mind.